you're listening to the Skift Podcast. Today on the program, we take a look inward and reflect on Skift's recent company-wide retreat to Iceland, where around 70 Skift employees spent a week in Reykjavik and touring about the island nation, many of us meeting in person for the first time after three years of remote work. First off, CEO and founder Rafid Ali leads a conversation with senior and executive staff focusing on lessons gleaned from the retreat about the business of travel, the logistics of bringing a sizable international workforce together in one place, and what was learned about company retreats and about the Skiff team. After that, we feature a series of messages from various team members from throughout the company and the world, sharing their personal and business reflections about the trip. Enjoy the conversation. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Skiff podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast, uh, two, three days after we have returned from our, our annual retreat in Iceland. Uh, we're still trying to come off from the high of, of the retreat, and we thought that it would make a lot of sense for us to have a podcast that talks on a few different levels of lessons we've learned on the business of travel and what Iceland uh, the lessons you can we can gain from Iceland. What did we learn about company retreats? This is our um, been doing this for 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 almost a decade uh, minus a couple of years during the pandemic. And what have we learned about our team, or what has our team learned about the company? So we'll uh, we'll get into this. I have three great guests that I that I have the. Um, honored to work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Michael Kniff, who's our CFO, who's been my previous company CFO, has worked with me. This is, I think, his maiden appearance on a Skift podcast um, ever. So welcome, Michael. And um, we have uh, Regina Yuen, who's the head of um, event logistics for Skift, has, has all the events that I'm sure many of you have attended uh, very much in the Regina mold. Uh, they run uh, brilliantly. We we always are hugely successful at creating that experience and very much Regina and her team are responsible for it. And then we have Mariana Ruiz, who is our head of HR, has uh, in the last two years has taken hold of our HR functions and has done such a great job. Um, all three of these people have been directly responsible for executing various parts of the retreat. And so I figured um, I will gather them here. Uh, I've had a vision of the retreat for years that that I outlined every year, um, and then the team executes it in various different ways. So I figured this is a great group to start with. So let me start by just giving my top line thoughts. Um, this was, uh, our, our retreat started in 2014 with the Iceland retreat. So this is coming a full circle. This is the second time as a company we've been to Iceland. We were 10 people then. We were, we are as a company about almost 75 people. Not everybody could go, but we had almost 70 people that went to this retreat. From 10 to 70 is obviously a huge jump. Uh, we've been to Iceland, um, Colombia, Cuba, Puerto Rico twice, we went to Canada once, and now to uh, we went upstate, upstate New York once, and now back to Iceland. Iceland is an incredible destination, but there are a lot of logistical challenges. Um, it has, we have covered Iceland, which we'll get to uh, as we talk. Um, Iceland 
as a mirror to the larger changes that have happened in the global travel industry over the last decade um, is is just a, it's such a great crucible to uh, to learn all the trends that are happening in the travel industry um, and um, we started covering what became known as the term over tourism that we coined in 2016. Uh, we, we actually did a huge deep dive on Iceland in 2016 and coined the word over tourism as part of it on the challenges that happened with a destination that has become too popular and has not done destination management in the right ways. Since then, a lot has changed. Uh, this my, my Personally, this was my seventh trip to Iceland. I was there a week after the famous volcano stopped in 2010. And they've done a great job at this time we were there, they've done a great job uh, building up the infrastructure. The whole country, at least Reykjavik and uh, surroundings, have been restructured to cater to global tourists. They've expanded the airport. The transportation is much better. The tours are much better. The, the accommodations are a lot more, including um, not just hotels, but also um, hostels as well as short-term uh, short-term rentals. Uh, it uh, a lot of the global trends of Chinese travelers becoming the biggest force were there in Iceland prior to the pandemic. Um, obviously, Chinese travelers are not yet back. And so in many ways, and, and Iceland has also pushed because it's located strategically in the middle of the Atlantic or, or sort of more towards Europe um, as, a, as a crossroads between North America and Europe. Uh, and so not just leisure travel, but also uh, business um, meetings industry. So they've emphasized, they created, they've created this gorgeous convention center called Harpa, which is in downtown Reykjavik that we visited. That they have, they try and um, attract a lot of meetings to. So uh, there's still a bunch of issues uh, with over tourism in Iceland. The season. While the season has moved beyond the few summer months, it is now uh, and, and spread through most of the year. The peak and the crush really comes in June, July, August. And they do have issues in terms of capacity. The airport, uh, while the Keflavik airport, Keflavik airport, which is the main airport, has expanded, it still uh, gets very crowded, especially as it caters not just to tourists coming, but it's also a hub airport for Iceland Air to connect people between Europe and North America and other places in the world. And so those are some of the issues. They 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 haven't yet developed another hub airport outside of Keflavik, which is the one that caters to the international tourists. So that being uh, said, we just uh, got a great overview uh, of everything that Iceland had to offer for our team for five days. So let me get into this question to our team beyond the issues of the global business of travel. So, uh, Michael, what are the, as we plan these uh, retreats, how do you think about budgets and logistics of how we do these retreats? I mean, we've done this so many times now. So, the logistics is uh, is the the hardest part because we have people coming from all corners of the earth. Uh, so the the things we have to take into consideration is is how, especially a place like Iceland, how 
how do the flights come in? How often do they fly? Uh, making sure that we don't have a significant number of, uh, of employees on one flight. So it's, a, it's really a, a puzzle that we have to put together um, to make sure it all fits. Um, then, of course, with the number of people that we brought, finding hotel rooms uh, to fit everybody and not having them in five different hotels uh, you know, was, uh, was a challenge for us as well. Um, and this is because Iceland doesn't have the capacity or at least doesn't have giant hotels where it can fit everybody, unlike Puerto Rico, where we went last year, which had these giant resort hotels uh, that exist. Yeah, as we were walking around the city, you could see that most of the hotels were no more than, you know, 10 to 14 stories tall. It's not a very, uh, a very vertically built, uh, built city. So um, and then the other the other challenge when you get to numbers like this, actually, when you get over 30 people getting a restaurant to want to take you. Uh, take all those people is is a challenge, and and we want to make sure that the the food rep is representative of of the place where we are, um, and you know those those are difficult. We talked to to many 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 restaurants before we can end up finding one uh, that's willing to take us. In most cases, we end up having to buy the place out, which leads us to the budgetary uh, side of it. Um, uh, you know, we have I'm very very fortunate that we have uh, a terrific events logistics team, and and they uh, they're very good at identifying our needs. That's the key thing with trips like this is knowing what you need and what you want. So you get a proper budget. A lot of times you'll give your requests and maybe they're not fully understand, uh, understand it by the, the other party. So you get back uh, quotes that, that aren't representative of what you're really trying to accomplish. So um, that just comes with a lot of, a lot of expertise. And, and like I said, we're, we're very fortunate to have that expertise on our team. How do you set budgets? top line so we go back for for the retreat specifically you know we i've done an analysis on how much we've spent each year obviously in the early days we were very very frugal um and then as we uh, as we grew as a company we were able to afford a little bit more we could layer on a little bit more uh, uh experiences obviously the basics are food and and uh, and shelter um, and then from there, you look at what experiences you can layer on top. Um, you look around the world for partners that maybe can help you uh, with those things. Intrepid Travel was amazing on our trip for us uh, in the help that they gave us, um, both in, in underwriting uh, and, and having their people available to us 24-7. We had cell phone numbers uh, to tour operate, to, to the tour guides that, that were assigned to our hotels. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. So, so we, we build a little bit more each year. Um, and, uh, you know, we also add as we, uh, as we grow in people as well. Yeah. Uh, let me, uh, you mentioned intrepid travel, intrepid travel is a global, uh, adventure travel tour operator was our, uh, partner on this, uh, as Michael said, underwrote, uh, a, a great part of, uh, of our retreat, but also was just responsible for, uh, for, uh, securing the hotels, particularly as well as the venues for these, um, dinners, Regina, you've done both. You've done, um, DIY where we, we, we piece together everything. And then this was a, a new experience to us where it was certainly still very complex, but at least we had more help as, as the company has grown almost like 20 more people this year than last year uh, for a company our site. So from a complexity perspective, um, what are the challenges you have both in terms of uh, timeline of planning and then, uh, and then actually in the destination? I think it was just the number of people, you know, um, hurting 70 people and trying to arrange 70 people is um, a lot of little details that go into it. Not only securing a venue, but 
one step further, you know, dietary restrictions. How do we make sure that we accommodate everyone? Because everyone comes from a different place and has different dietary restrictions, right? My team's job is really to make everyone feel like home, feel like comfortable, and that they're included, right, in all these retreats. So I think um, that is a huge challenge. Just being able to help arrange people's flights is also hard when we have. I think we add a lot more people a little bit later in the planning stages. I think it's the amount of people has has the complexity and having to divide the team in the different hotels. But luckily we had our team captain, the help of the other SCIF team members was really great to just make sure all the logistics was really, it was just spot on. I really think we really nailed this even though with 68 people from all over the world. All over the world. I think there were, um, may, I, I don't know exactly how many countries, but if you do remember, do do mention it. But so obviously US was the biggest contingent, but US, Canada, UK, other parts of Europe, South Africa, India. I would say those I think are, are, are pretty much the regions that we had people from. Uh, and by next year, I would imagine Southeast Asia would be added in there because um, we're, we're, we're hiring people there. Um, uh, Middle East will probably be part of it as well as we think about it next year as well. So yeah, the complexities, the dietary restrictions is something that we very, very, very um, are careful about and and obviously have to cater because uh, in many cases, it's literally life and death if, if people eat, you know, if they're allergies and if they eat the wrong thing. And so we're very careful. Mariana, from uh, from your vantage point, from a, from a sort of culture, HR culture building perspective, how do you think about these, these retreats and why they matter? Um, they just bring us closer. And it's, you know, it's a completely, it's, it's kind of like for, full circle. Um, for me, for example, because I get to know everybody and I feel like I really, really know them. And then I see them in person and it's just a completely different level. Um, I feel like everyone feels the same way. Um, It's just another deeper connection. And then when they see each other again a few months later at SGF, it's just a a bond that's much, much thicker and, and better. Let me give you context. Of, uh, so uh, we are a fully remote company. I think most of the people listening know this. We are a globally distributed, fully remote company. People work from their homes or wherever they're they're based. And so we don't get to obviously meet each other in office like we used to pre-pandemic. Uh, there are two times the, the whole company meets uh, every year. One is, uh, one is the retreat that happens in the May-June timeframe typically. And this year was in May. And then... Um, Skiff Global Forum, which is our flagship conference in New York, where we fly and everybody as well. One is a not work environment. Uh, Skiff Global Forum is a very intense work environment. Two very different experiences, but intense enough that they bring people together. And I think from from our culture building perspective, the 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 reason why people uh, have said have so many of our team has said that they feel so connected to each other, which is a remarkable high bar for a fully distributed company, a remarkable high bar um, is because 
is because we put in so much effort and intention and thoughtfulness into these two different things of bringing our team together. Skip Global Forum, we've been doing these things before pandemic. So both of these were two points in which we flew the whole team before the pandemic, but we've put a lot more intentionality into each of these. What are the, how do the teams, not just the teams meet each other. So like marketing team or editorial team, different teams meeting each other, but also how the cross team uh, uh, connections happen. Um, how did you think, uh, any of you, how do you think about sort of the cross team connections that are so important beyond your own sort of bubble that you talk to every day, at least on video? You know, I, I interviewed almost every single uh, person in the company and I talk a lot about culture. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I do that. Um, and you know, one of the things that I say is, is I'm a firm believer that because we're a very collaborative company, getting to know people that you work with will just enhance the quality of that collaboration. I also think that the more time you spend with people, if you actually start to get to know them, maybe you'll get to like them. And when you like people that you work with, it's a lot more fun. You're more productive and, you know, you, uh, everybody is, uh, is a lot happier. Um, and the, the retreat is a linchpin to doing that. And the first night uh, at our dinner, um, when I spoke to the team, I challenged everyone in the room to talk to three people during that week to get to know them a little bit better. And, and in my interviews, I always say, you're not going to have 70 new best friends tomorrow, but if you make a little effort and you, you are present you know, enough that you, you go beyond what your, your work assignments are, it's going to be so much more fulfilling for you. Um, and I, I think that I looked around uh, you know, each day to see how people were interacting. And it was marvelous, including myself. I picked five people that I wanted to get to know a little bit better that I sat next to on the buses as we as we traveled around. Um, and, uh, you know, understanding their story and, and how it fits into why they're at Skift and, and, and why we can work so well together is, uh, is, is an amazing thing. One of the things which we don't do on our retreats is we don't do intentional corporate team bonding exercises, like the stuff that a lot of others write about, um, like team up, fall into each other's arms and let's, let's see if they, if they rescue you type, um, I won't use the word here, but, uh, we don't do those things for us because we're in the business of travel, our bonding happens because we're traveling and doing activities. So for us, it's as much learning about, um, the business of travel as it is um, uh, meeting each other. And we, we've coined a phrase, Mariana, maybe you want to expand on this, on living the brand. Uh, and we, we talk a lot about living the brand. We create uh, t-shirts and hats, and those are some of these small little things that help you make you feel included. So talk about living the brand and what that means from a routine perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting and I, from this group, I'm the the newest one, right? I, I joined um, when it was already a fully remote company. And I can also say what a lot of people now say, which is um, it is the most connected group of people that I have worked with. And I've never worked in an office with any any of you. Um, and that's that's what we keep getting. People are happy to work with each other and um, and what Skift allows them to to do work-wise 
and what the, the people that they're working with, um, and they're happy to represent the brand. So when we go out of our ways to give them certain things so they can represent it, they're happy to do that. It's not forced upon. Like I've been asked to get more hats, uh, more socks, more water bottles, because they want to show, you know, that they, they are part of Skift. So nothing is pushed. It's just people want to do that. It comes. Yeah. And this is the thing that I think has been just so wonderful uh, to see the reaction during the retreat, also the post retreat and posts that people are doing unsolicited on LinkedIn and, and other places about their experience. Regina, from a logistics um, perspective, uh, you do think a lot about um, making sure that things, for instance, run on time. Let's talk about the importance of making sure that things run on time and why that matters. Well, we're on schedule, you know. Our team always takes back like, the feedback that we get from year over year, right? Um, and I think this year people wanted some more recreational time. So, you know, we build that into the schedule. And in order to allow that people to have that, we have to stay on time. We just have to keep the, the show going. It's definitely hard, especially when you have it in two different hotels and 68 people. But, you know, there's always reminders out there. And I think, um, you know, everyone's done a really good job in being respectful of each other's time. I think the most positive outcome of these retreats, to be honest, is post-retreat, right? It's actually that work synergy that we create with everyone in cross-company. Me, personally, I feel after I come out from these retreats, like I have a better understanding of a lot of my international colleagues and I connect with them on a personal level. And I feel that it also creates a better work synergy. I have a better understanding of where a lot of people are coming from. And understanding a little bit more about them personally has really helped me with my work dynamic with a lot of these people that I don't necessarily work every day with, but I still collaborate with. And um, I think that's the most positive outcome of these retreats. Um, one of the things that uh, I should mention in terms of coordination and how we do this, um, we, 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 since we are a fully remote company, we use a tool called Basecamp, which is similar to Slack or um, Asana or, or a bunch of other tools that exist. And uh, this we use in our daily work. It's the same tool that we use to communicate um, the schedule, reminders. One of the things we've learned is you can't assume people read everything. In fact, you assume that people read uh, very little. Uh, so you have to uh, remind again and again and again. And even then you get a bunch of questions. We were just joking that we should create us. Um, an artificial intelligence chatbot that answers the question because Regina and the team are just overloaded with questions, particularly leading up to the to the retreat. And so a lot of it coordination happens through Basecamp, which is our just daily use tool. So that helps quite a bit. Um, any other thing in terms of coordination uh, that any of you want to talk about uh, just in destination co coordination? Actually, this is an, another question I'll follow up with, which is, how do we think about the structured activities versus the unstructured activities? Um, and as Re as Regina was mentioning, we had this was an unusually good mix of um, structured and unstructured than some of our previous retreats. Um, I'll jump in uh, a little bit here. So 
depending on where we decide to go, uh, there's a lot of research that we need to do to see, you know, what do the, what does the average tourist like to go see? What are the top five things, uh, you know, kind of uh, thing. And then it's, it's looking at the duration of those things. Uh, some are just a couple of hours, some may be a full day. Um, and as Regina said, getting that balance of having people not feel like they're running, running, running. We want them to, to go slow and be deliberate and absorb the culture and absorb everything that the destination has to offer. Uh, so it really is, uh, it's, it's a little, an, a, another puzzle that we have to look at. Um, we do use local sources when we can. We have, uh, we have lots of connections uh, around the world uh, in uh, uh, DMOs uh, and, and other, uh, other type of, of uh, representatives for tourism in, in specific countries. Um, so we talk to them, uh, in, you know, in a big way and, and get their suggestions. And then we, we find that we curate the things that we think will be the most interesting to our group, uh, give them some, uh, some uh, uh, different representations of, of that culture. Um, and of course, uh, make sure that it fits into our budget. So. Yeah. One of the advantages we have that I, th- I don't think every, every regular company will have is because of our connections in the travel industry. And so we're able to get behind the scenes access to people in the travel industry, what, how we, we structure it is one of the days out of the four or five days, we, we, we designate as the company day, meaning we will have discussions in a room. It's, it's a traditional sort of company meeting, full company meeting, where I will give a presentation, different people will talk about different things through the day. Um, typically, we don't do full day just because we, we, it's, it's too much. And so we try and do it within half a day to sort of a three-fourth of a day, we finish uh, everything. And that's it. We don't talk about work. After that, it's very much um, activities. And I think that, I don't think we we planned it that way from the start. It just ended up being that. And it seems like that's the best way of how to structure long-range company thinking and planning. The messages we want to communicate as executive team, as the leaders in the company, to the full company. And then... Um, different teams meet informally uh, with their teams um, either that day, that one specific day, or they meet at other times and obviously spend a lot of time with each other in different ways with different activities. So that's how we think about some of these things. Um, I think we should wrap it up. Any, any final thoughts uh, in terms of why this has become such a, such a, um, a cultural touch point in our company? I mean, for us, it also is very much, Mariana, from a hiring perspective, this is uh, such a great thing that we talk about when we hire people. Yes, this is a buildup. I mean, it is a, a big thing. Um, we don't call it a require thing, but it is mentioned as, you know, you'll have two big trips where you will be with all your coworkers, um, the retreat and SGF. Um, and there is a lot of, of excitement going towards it. So it's, and it, it meets the expectations. I mean, a, already been looking at some of the responses from our post-retreat survey and it's exceeded expectations so it's um it's great Uh, i'll add to that we've hired uh 20 people since the beginning of the year and one of the when i talk about the retreat and going to global forum um one of the questions i'd ask is is if we were to come to terms and, and hire you as employees there you know would you be available to go to the retreat and obviously earlier in this year uh, it was like, oh, you know, definitely. And their eyes would, would light up. And as we got closer, we hired somebody literally a week before the retreat. And I asked, uh, I asked him, I said, is there any way, you know, chance that you could come? And he kind of sat back and said, 
yeah, I think I can do that. It's such a great opportunity as a new employee to meet your team in person, to meet the leadership team in person, and to reach across the aisle and, and meet those people that you're going to collaborate with. Um, and I think, uh, I think that comes through uh, uh, with, with flying colors uh, for most people. We do, when for both of these uh, events, if you will, for both of these events that we do, we do plan hiring and onboarding, keeping these two big tentpoles in mind. And uh, from an onboarding perspective for a bunch of employees, Global Forum less will be less this year, but in previous years, Global Forum has been a, a point where we onboard a bunch of folks because they've either joined right uh, a few weeks before or right before, or, or in fact, at the conference, we've had people who've joined as well. So it becomes a great learning about the Skip brand culture, uh, product, et cetera, et cetera. And our retreat in previous years, and even this year, because we hired a bunch of people leading up to it, becomes a great onboarding tool for, for people to know each other. As Michael said, somebody literally joined uh, like two days before. Um, so that's that. Okay, well, thank you, uh, folks. This has been great. And uh, hopefully there's some insights that people can take away. And now enjoy the rest of the podcast episode with clips from different members of the Skift team on their experiences of what what they learned about Skift, about Iceland, about the business of travel, about our culture. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Pedan Doma Bhutia, and I'm the Asia editor of Skift. This week, I came back from Iceland, where I spent five days bonding with my colleagues. The day we landed on Icelandic soil, we were greeted by warm, sunny weather, only to be later greeted by a blast of Arctic wind that made us question our life choices. But then it's all about embracing the extremes, right? Picture this, a bunch of professionals who usually spend their days glued to computer screens marvelling at Mother Nature's version of a water fountain show. We stood in a semicircle, eagerly waiting for the geysers to erupt, like children on Christmas morning, and when they did, we cheered and squealed like a pack of overexcited toddlers. It was a symphony of oohs and ahs with intermittent bouts of uncontrollable laughter. Let's just say that some of us had to dodge the geysers' watery surprises, adding a splash of adventure to the experience. Through icy winds, erupting geysers and silky lagoon waters, we forged bonds that went beyond the confines of remote work. We shared laughters, shivers and even the occasional embarrassing slip in the mud. A fully remote company became a real-life community as we marvelled at the wonders of Iceland together. So here's to our quirky Icelandic adventure, where work and play intertwined and bucket lists were gleefully checked off. We returned home with unforgettable memories, waterproof friendships, and a newfound appreciation for thermal wear. Dan Marsek, I'm the research editor for Skiftex. So what did I learn about Skift on our Iceland retreat? Well, one thing I didn't hear is this thing that you hear a lot <laughs> uh, at companies where they say Skift is like a family. And it might sound kind of weird to say this, but I think that's a really good thing. What Skift is to me is a group of professionals who are, are very passionate about what we do and who are also passionate about our own families and our own lives. And so I think there's this bonding element for all of us coming together around the fact that 
we really care about our work and that's really important to us, but it's part of our whole picture. It's not our whole lives. In terms of what I learned about company retreats, it does help that Skift is in the travel business. So what we're doing when we're traveling together is relevant to what we do as a company. But I think that's something that other companies can take away as well. Do something that helps connect to you to your work and that allows your employees to bond around what they're doing and really internalize what it means to work for that company and what it is. My name is Allison McCarthy and I'm the content director on Skiftex, Skift's branded content team. So this was my fifth retreat with Skift and I feel like I say this every year, maybe with the exception of when we went glamping in the pouring rain in East Hampton, but I really do feel like this was the best one yet. Of course, Iceland is such a magical place to visit, but the current team we have at Skift feels really connected, engaged, and in sync. And that's despite so many of us only meeting for the first time on this trip. So I feel like the difference between commuting to an office in New York City and working with mostly tri-state area residents to now working with employees who live all over the world has really been something that I love most about working remote and then meeting in person. I really do feel like every time we gather as a company, my life feels richer and my perspective of the world and of different cultures is really deepened. Hi, my name is Colette and I'm the project manager for Skift Meetings. I've been at Skift for a year now and our 2023 retreat in Iceland really meant so much to me. Um, Every time we get together, it literally blows my mind that not only are we a fully global team, but that we only ever really see each other as a full team twice a year when we do our retreat and then when we do a Skift Global Forum. Because when we do get together, it's like we're together all the time and there's this infectious energy that just runs through these 70 people. You spend six days laughing and smiling and losing your voice and and just having the best time with everyone. Retreats like this remind you that it's important to get away from the emails and the Zoom calls and just general day-to-day life, whether that's with colleagues or or even just like at home with your friends and family, um, to spend that time getting to know each other better, to make memories and deeper connections and learning about yourself and, and the world around us. I mean, it's not possible to go to Iceland and experience its nature without realising just how small and insignificant we are as people on this little planet that we call Earth. So yes, Iceland and this retreat will be with me for a very, very long time. Hi, my name is Miguel Neves and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings. And my thoughts on the recent Skift retreat in Iceland from a uh, meetings industry perspective, I think it was fascinating to see a destination like Iceland. And of course, it's so interestingly located, uh, handy to access from both Europe and North America. So it makes sense for a company that's distributed mainly in those regions. Of course, it's a unique destination, so really interesting to experience it. I think we also experienced some of the limitations of Iceland. A group of this size, we're about 70 people, and it's not the easiest to um, for hotels. I think it's fine, but for uh, catering, for food, I think it's it's getting to a large size for for Reykjavik and for Iceland. But I think that the bigger trend is that 
companies that are remote or hybrid all around the world are definitely looking for different ways to bring people together. I think it's really important to understand how to do these things properly, how to get the group together, how to really connect when you have this opportunity to meet everybody uh, and make the most of that time. And I think Skiff took that approach of being very much about connecting, very much about getting to know each other rather than having a lot of content and a lot of sort of conference activity, which I think is a very valid approach and I appreciated getting to know my colleagues way better. I think it'll definitely have positive impacts on how we perform as a team going forward. And of course, you know, group travel and incentive travel have been doing this for many years, but the importance of it now with the sort of remote or hybrid workforce, I think has increased. And it was very interesting to experience that firsthand. Hey, this is Eden Anihara, project manager for the Skift X team. The 2023 Skift retreat to Iceland meant more to me than I feel like a lot of folks understand. Um, I was never really able to travel outside of the U.S. growing up, so having my first ever trip abroad uh, be with a group of close-knit, hilarious, and kind-hearted people meant the world to me. Um, besides the fact that Skift is amazing at karaoke, I learned we're insanely passionate about our work, and this retreat proved it. Lastly, I'm excited to blitz through 2023 and help lead the future of travel with all my coworkers and everyone in between, one step at a time. My name is Lindsay Bashan, and I'm on the sales team at Skiff. This year's retreat to Iceland meant a lot, and it felt really good to hang out with my friends that I've made at the company that I really only get to see once or twice a year now. And what I learned about Skift is something that I've already known for the five plus years that I've worked here, but it reinforced the idea that Skift is really focused on work-life balance, family, and having fun. When I got back from the trip and was telling my friends about it, they were blown away and saying things like, oh, my company retreat was filled with you know presentations from old white men and everybody was bored. And I got to reply and say, well, on my company retreat, I was swimming in the Blue Lagoon and seeing hot springs and exploring a country I've never been to before and hanging out with friends and trying exotic foods and just doing all of these really cool things that I actually would want to do in my free time. And what I learned about the business of travel is that there are still a lot of flaws in the airline industry, specifically. Um, a lot of our bags were lost flights were delayed or canceled, um, connections that were packaged within one airline were impossible to make. So in terms of the business of the airline industry, there is a lot more that they could be doing to make the travel experience better. My name is Asha Brizvi and I'm a research analyst at Skift Research. I look in depth at issues affecting the global aviation market, its implication, and I conduct detailed market research studies on existing and growing markets across the world. Besides the fact that uh, Iceland happens to be an incredibly beautiful country, uh, I think uh, for me the timing was exceptionally great because I've only joined the firm last month and uh, for me to have an opportunity to get in touch with uh, not only my own group at Skiff Research but as well as the largest Skiff team, teams from marketing, from the creative team, the editorial team, I really want to go ahead and just say thanks to the global uh, executive team at Skift. Thank you so much. I'm Angie Kirby, Acquisition Marketing Manager at Skift. 
The 2023 Skift Retreat meant a great deal to me. Working fully remote with colleagues all over the globe can make it hard to feel connected at times, so I take any opportunity I can to see my colleagues face to face, and being able to do so in such a beautiful place like Iceland with about 70 skifters is really indescribable. Being a company in the travel industry, it's also great to be able to experience what travel really has to offer. And I feel like now I've worked for Skift, I view travel in such a different, amazing light. Also, after hearing so much about Iceland and the trips that the team made back in the early days versus how we've all experienced it this time around is quite incredible. And it does make me feel really, really proud to work for Skift. And no one can deny that the Skiff team really is switched on and in sync. Hello everyone, it's Varsha Arora. I've been with Skiff for over two years now. I wanted to take a moment to very quickly reflect on our recent annual retreat in Iceland. First and foremost, meeting all of you in person was truly special as colleagues at Skift. We've collaborated and connected virtually, but being able to meet you guys face to face, I'm sure deepened our relationships. I believe this experience will strengthen our collaboration and make our work even more impactful moving forward. Moreover, this retreat highlighted the significance of company retreats. It provided an opportunity to step away from our daily routines, immerse ourselves in a new environment, gain fresh perspectives. Being in Iceland, a country known for its awe-inspiring landscapes and unique cultural experiences reminded me of the transformative power of travel. This has been the Skift Podcast. Thank you for listening.